When I was given the verses for today and the topic for today, I thought, what can I possibly say on this topic that Pastor Pacini has not said for the last five weeks? But he had to give a quick overview. We are going to go a little more in depth about spiritual gifts. You know what? I'm going to come over here since I can see you better from here. So, how many of you have ever received a birthday or a Christmas gift? Yeah. Is it, does it feel good? Now, my, my family's love language, my extended family's love language is gifts. And so, they always wanted to make sure I would like their gifts. So, oh, next slide. So... They would always ask me for a list of gifts I wanted, and it was always fun coming up with the list. Usually I would ask for some candles, because you would not believe how I used to burn candles. I would light like five or six of them every night during my devotions in my little room, and the place would get just smoked out. There were, <laughs> there were little rings of smoke on the underside of all the shelves in my, in my bookshelves from lighting candles. I would always ask for I would always ask for a couple of books that interested me, usually a couple of movies, some CDs, and of course money, who doesn't like money for their birthday or Christmas. But one thing I always asked for was stationery. Stationery? What's exciting about stationery? My mother always coached me quite wisely to write thank you notes to all my relatives for every gift they gave me. And this became an art form. And I didn't want to have boring stationery to write all these thank you notes on. I wanted cool stationery, stationery by the likes of papyrus, to write my thank you notes on. And I would always make sure that I told them not just thank you, but also thank you for the candle. I enjoy how it smells when I do my devotions at night. Or thank you for the really cute outfit. I wore it to church the other week. Give, gave them a reason why I was grateful. But I bring this up because my relatives gave me the gift of stationery to put it on the shelf so it would look pretty. No, they gave it to me so that I could use it to share with other people, so that I could be a blessing to others through the gift they had given me. And this is what our spiritual gifts are for. Our spiritual gifts are for blessing other people. Let's go to the Bible. In Matthew 10, verse 8, it says, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Now, does, does that sound like some tall orders? When was the last time any of you healed the sick? Maybe some nurses can raise your hands. How about cleanse the lepers? Nope. Raise the dead? <laughs> cast out demons? These are all things that we don't really do much anymore, perhaps because 
we're scared because we don't think we have the spiritual gifts to do them. But these are what one thing all these things have in common is that, well, it has two things in common. One, they require supernatural assistance, and that's what the spiritual gifts are. They are supernatural, supernatural assistance to what we already have. The difference between a spiritual gift and a talent is that the spiritual gifts are supernatural in nature. The other thing all these actions have in common is that they're for other people. Freely you have received, freely give. The point of the spiritual gifts is to use them for each other. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, it says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So God gives us gifts to use for each other. This means that if you have the gift of hospitality, the point of your gift isn't to wow and impress everybody with your, with your elaborate entertaining. It's to make strangers feel loved and welcomed. If you have the gift of prophecy, it's not to go, hey, I have the gift of prophecy. It's to instruct God's people as to how they can grow. And this goes for all of the gifts. Whatever your gift may be, it's there to use for each other. Just like my relatives gave me the stationery to use for other people. And I loved that stationery, and it felt so good every time I put it in the mail. Ah. So, 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. And there again you get the idea that we're supposed to use these for each other. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, this word steward may be one that our younger readers, are, our younger, sorry, Listeners, you can tell I'm used to writing more than speaking, may not be used to hearing very much. When, when you adults think of um, a steward, what, what immediately comes to mind? When you hear about a, steward, a sermon on stewardship, what's the one word that immediately comes to mind? Money! And yes, we do need to be good stewards of money, but stewardship is so much deeper than that. You see, this is Joseph. Joseph was a good steward, but he didn't have any money. He was a slave. To be a good steward is to manage someone else's resources well. Not your resources, someone else's. When God gives us gifts, they're there for us to manage well. See, for those of you who may not be familiar with the story of Joseph, he managed his father's things well and made his brothers so jealous that he was sold into slavery. His brothers sold him into slavery. And when he was in slavery, he managed his master's estate so well that it says in the Bible that his master didn't have to concern himself with anything he did except that which he ate. 
That's how well Joseph managed his estate. Unfortunately, the boss's wife had eyes for Joseph, and there was a scandal, and Joseph got sent to prison. But Joseph managed, I love this about Joseph, even in prison, he managed his talent so well that he soon became in charge of the prison even though he was a prisoner himself. And this gift for stewardship, this willingness to have God use his abilities to manage things well, basically allowed him to eventually manage the, the great resources of Egypt itself and save the ancient world from a terrible famine. That's what God can do with a good steward, even if the steward has no money. So stewardship involves money, but it's not about money. Kids, do you have any money? Maybe a little bit of an allowance. I didn't have an allowance except from my grandparents growing up, and they would give me like $1 a month. $2 when I got into, when I graduated from eighth grade, $3 in college. And you know where I blew it all? The ABC at Redwood Camp Meeting, the Adventist Book Center. I would save it up all year so I could buy some books for myself. But I didn't have a whole lot of money when I was a kid. But you know what you do have, kids? Time. You have time in a way that you will never have it again. And this time and this energy you have, oh my word, kids, you have so much energy, is a gift that God has given you. And you, if you manage that well, you can be a real blessing to other people, especially to your parents. If you use that energy to help them around the house, to lift them up when they're down, you are on your way to being a great blessing and being in great habits that will bless others for the rest of your life. So we are all stewards of our gifts. I've never been good with these PowerPoint things. There we go. There are different kinds, 1 Corinthians 12 says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. So all of our gifts are different. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. This is our body, isn't it amazing? The passage I'm about to read focuses on the parts of the body you can see, but I would like to invite you to take a look at this picture and think about all of the parts of the body you can't see. Your heart, your lungs, your digestive system. The body is an incredible miracle of God, and every part of it needs to work. The blood, the veins, the bones all need to work well for the body to function. And we don't even see the inner workings of our bodies unless we're really hurt. So the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form how many bodies? One body. So it is with Christ. 
For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And I made a little typo here. It's if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. What would happen if your foot said, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand? What would happen if your foot just decided to quit? You would fall down, you couldn't walk, you'd have to use crutches. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. I love this passage because it talks about how we are all interdependent. Now that's a fancy way of saying our differences make us stronger together. Can you say that after me? Our differences make us stronger together. When you took that spiritual gifts quiz, how many of you were happy with your results? Not very many of you? Some of us probably confirmed that we had gifts that we knew about. Some of us were probably surprised. I was a little surprised because I expected teaching to be on there, but it wasn't. When we took that spiritual gifts test, some of us may have been surprised in a direction we weren't happy about. But here's the thing. If you covet a gift you don't have, it's a waste of energy because the gift you have is important. I need three volunteers who are not vegan but possibly hungry. <laughs> not vegan. <laughs> three volunteers. Any brave souls out there? Young, old, I'll take anybody. All right, come on up. Monique. Isel, and do I have one more? I need one more for this to work. Okay, you. Emilio, right? Diego! Ah, Emilio's your brother. My apologies. Remembering names is not always my gift. So I have here three ingredients. Sugar, butter, and flour. What I want you to do is each taste just a little bit of your given ingredient. Yeah. You can just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, how's it taste, Azelle? Yummy. Yummy? She got the sugar. She got lucky. <laughs> Don't we all sometimes wish we could, we could be the sugar? 
because everyone recognizes that sugar is sweet and sugar is good. Sugar is like the gift of teaching. Everybody wants it. Everyone wants to be the sugar. So Monique, how did it taste? Great. Great? Great. Very um, buttery. Yeah. <laughs> Very buttery. Is it okay on its own? No. No. So, D so Diego, you had flour. How was it? Terrible. See, flour, flour is like those less popular gifts. When I found out that I had the gift of hospitality, I was like, the gift of hospitality? That's like flour. <laughs> I mean, what use is that? But those three ingredients, if you put them on their own, they don't amount to much. But I made a little something that I want you each to have a slice of. This is called shortbread. <laughs> you just happen to be third. And I want you to taste that. This is what happens when you put the three ingredients together. <laughs> is good? Delicious? Thumbs up? You put the three ingredients together and you add a little heat, and you get a tasty snack. Thank you so much for volunteering. And you can go back to your seats now. See, our differences make us stronger together, and just like the three ingredients of the shortbread, they need to come together to work. Our gifts don't make sense in isolation. Our gifts don't make sense if we're off trying to practice them on our own. I'm so glad that you have decided to come to church today. I know it's hard for some of you. But what you're doing is very important because we are all a part of a body. We are all a part of one recipe that needs to come together in order to make sense, in order to taste good, in order, in order to bring something good into the world. It says here in Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 13, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. So this is the same idea. So that the body of Christ, now listen up to this, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This brings me to my last point. Using our gifts helps the whole body grow. You see, we cannot grow without using our gifts. But not only do our gifts help us grow, but they help the rest of the body grow. In the, in the example I just gave, the ingredients each are on their own, they can't do anything. But the Holy Spirit is the one who is sort of like the heat and the hand that mixes it. It's, the Holy Spirit is what makes this thing work. And it cannot grow into a mature shortbread 
without that heat and that time together. When we use our gifts together, we grow. How many of you are interested in spiritual growth? Amen. I'm so glad to see that. In order to get that spiritual growth you're craving, it's not enough just to have your own private devotional time, although that's important too. We all need, we all need, or I'm going to talk about that next week actually, that we all need times of private prayer. It's not enough to read the scriptures on our own, although we all need to do that. We need to exercise our gifts together to become mature, to become everything that God created us to be. There's a great song that my father, I think I've brought this song up before here, but it's a good song that is worth bringing up again, that he teaches his elementary kids called A Really Good Tree. It says, I've got roots going down to the water. I've got leaves going up to the sunshine. I want to be all the Lord of the trees wants me to be, a really good tree. So I would like to encourage you, don't try to be a bush if you're a tree. Don't try to be a flower if you're a tree. But be the part of the forest that God created you to be, because that's how the whole forest grows. Let's pray. Dear Lord, you have been so good to us in giving us spiritual gifts. You have been so good to us in bringing us together so that we can be the body of Christ that you want us to be. Give us the courage to accept our own gifts and to become what you want us to be. You are the tree of life. You are the giver of the gifts. Lord, help us to worship you by using our gifts for each other. Help us to worship you by growing together. As everyone goes out from here this week, I pray that you will give each person an opportunity, whether it be at home, at work, at school or at church, to exercise their gifts so that they can grow more into, what, into the maturity of Christ. Let it be, for you are good and you know how we can thrive. In Jesus' name, amen.